so good to uh, be out here. Isn't this just a gorgeous day, guys? Let's just thank God for this amazing day. I, I look at some of us were taking shelter, which is understandable, trying to get some shade. Um, and I was thinking at least we don't have three feet of snow or, or a rainstorm, right? Or showers. Showers might be kind of refreshing. Um, if you have your guide in there uh, is a scripture I want to talk to you just for a couple of minutes about. So Claire mentioned that we're beginning a series called Rise, and I want to talk to you about, for just a couple of minutes, about disordered order. So uh, we're at an interesting point as a church. We're kind of taking steps to reenter, to rise back together as a people. And this is what Paul says in Romans 13. It says, but make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all of your day-to-day obligations that you lose track of time and doze off, oblivious to God. The night is about over, dawn is about to break, be up and awake to what God is doing. God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work he began when when we first believed. Don't loiter or linger, waiting until the very last minute, but dress yourself in Christ and be up and about. When I was a young dad... um, like I, and I still can do this, I, I had the ability to fall asleep like right away. I could fall asleep like instantly. And uh, I know some of you are envious just hearing that. I can still do that. I don't stay asleep the way that I used to as well, but I could fall asleep. So as a young dad, I could fall asleep, but um, I could, my friends and Claire, they would say, you can sleep through just about anything. I had like humorous situations where friends would try to wake me up for stuff And um, I would just, like, sleep through. However, if one of our children cried when they were babies, I would wake up instantly. It was just kind of the thing that triggered me getting up and rising and paying attention to. That's really what Paul's saying here. He says that don't get so absorbed with everything going on in the world that you forget how central Christ is in your life. Because in the midst of all of the things that are going on in your life and mine, in the midst of all the things that are going on in the world, it would be easy to place those things above paying attention to God and God's presence. That's the thing that Paul is saying here to rise for. I'd ask all of us a question this morning. What is getting most of your attention? What Paul's challenging us with here is what gets most of your attention? What is the first thing you go to? What is keeping you up at night? Or what is waking you up at night? Is the thing that you're rising to Jesus or is it something else? And Jesus is just kind of along for the ride. And we add Jesus as an addendum to bigger things we think of going on in our life. What wakes you up first? What is the primary thing that's going on? What causes you to rise? What causes me to rise You know, it's interesting because one of the things that I try to do to evaluate my own life is I think once in a while, is what I'm paying most attention to, is it worth giving my one and only life for? Is it worth you, right now, if you were honest and I was honest, is it worth what you're giving most of your attention to in your life right now? Is that worth your one and only life? You don't get a retry at this. You won't get a retry at this season of life. We won't get a retry of 2020. It has been crazy, hasn't it? It's been amazingly crazy. 
It has is, it is put pressure and stress in so many different ways. And it may continue that way, but understand, we don't get this time back. It's not like we can just sleep through it, as Paul would say. He says, wake up. Don't doze off and be oblivious to God, but pay attention. You know what I found is we, we don't get do-overs at the things that matter most in life, right? Like when you were a student, wouldn't it have been great if you got do-over at some of those final exams? You would have loved to have a do-over, but you didn't get a do-over for those final exams. Some of you would like a do-over for some of your relational stuff, like when you're dating. I, fortunately, I did get a do-over with the first date I had with Claire. I think she wanted a second date just to say, can it really be as bad as he was in the first date? But usually you don't get do-overs when it comes to dating, right? We don't get do-overs when it comes to work. If we don't show up for work, eventually the boss says, you don't have this job anymore. You can try that. You can do a do-over somewhere else, but you're not going to do it here. And we don't get a do-over at life. We will not get a do-over at this moment. That's what Paul's saying here. You know, what's interesting about what Paul's saying here and what Paul says in other places and what Jesus says multiple times over, it's a paradox, is the very thing that is most likely to steal your life and mine is life itself. It's the distractions of life. It's the things that we prioritize over Jesus that we think are more important than Jesus somehow, somewhere, and Jesus just kind of comes along with us. But Jesus and Paul and other writers in the scripture consistently say things that say, pay attention to your life and make sure that you don't have disordered order. Paul says it this way, Philippians 3 says, if someone else thinks that I have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more more confidence, circumcised on the eighth day with the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, I was a Pharisee. As for zeal, I was persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, I was faultless. So basically what Paul, who never had a problem with his ego getting outside of himself, overly confident, Paul says, listen, if there's anybody in the world that could have taken confidence in the things that the world had to offer, I'm the man. That's what Paul's saying here. He said, I had the best of education. I was, I was the best persecutor of the church because I hated the church. I did all of the things right. I was sitting in the, in the rooms with the people that were most influential in the world. If there was a way to be satisfied with what the world has to offer, I'm the man. I'm the person. But he goes on. And he says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost everything. I consider all of that garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Paul says it there clearly. If anyone could have lived their life without Christ, it was me. If somebody could have put Christ fifth in place in their life, it was me. But he says, but it wasn't me, and it isn't anybody. He says, I count it as garbage. Another version says rubbish. One version says dung. It's a trivial pursuit to put anything that this world is busy going after in front of Jesus. It's a waste of your time and mine. 
Paul seemed to have what he pursued in pretty much every way, only to find it lacking and empty and hollow and disappointing. He says to us here to rise above the world, rise above the world's systems, rise above the world's pursuits, rise above the world's uh, fatuation with so many things, rise above and pay attention to Christ. Isn't it interesting because you can read these kinds of scriptures and say, well, I don't want to hear that. Like, we don't want to hear certain things from certain people, right? Like, most of us, if not all of us, would say, I don't want to hear somebody that's wealthy say to me, uh, don't pursue wealth because it's an empty pursuit. Well, you might think to yourself as well, it's empty pursuit, but you got your wealth, so it's easy for you to say that it's shallow and hollow. Or for somebody else, you might say, it's easy for a person that's successful or appears to be successful to say, don't pursue success because it's just empty and hollow at the end of the day. But what happens to us if we're not careful is we place unfair expectations, Paul is saying here, on the world. We expect the world to do what only Jesus can be and do for us. Trust me, brothers and sisters, some of the pursuits that the world is busy going about have been pursuits that will go on throughout history. It doesn't mean that they're evil or they're wrong, but they shouldn't be primary above our pursuit of Christ. When we place unfair expectations on the world, we are sure to be disappointed. We're sure to lack fulfillment. And we think this, we think, you know, if it were only this way, I would be more fulfilled. If, if I had this material thing, for instance, if I had this item or these items, or if I had this level of wealth, I would certainly be fulfilled. Or for some of us, it might be socially, like if the social landscape were different, if it were different socially, if I could just see that happen, then I would be fully satisfied. Then I think I would be great with the rest of my life. Some of us, it's politically, like if this would happen, or if that candidate would win, or if that candidate would lose, if this system would shift, it would be all okay. I'm here to tell you that those candidates have not always been there, and it wasn't okay then either. What Paul is saying is Jesus morphs and goes beyond all of the things that we pursue. And if Christ is not central in our life, we will be disappointed no matter what happens. It will never fulfill you. It will always leave you lacking and frustrated. Relationally, you might think if I could just have that person as my spouse, then all would be well. And then some people who have said that, maybe even in this crowd, would say, well, I've been married, and that was how I felt before I got married. I don't know about my wife or my husband, but I know how I'm feeling. And as much as I, I absolutely love my spouse, they cannot fill what only God can fill in my life. It's an empty pursuit. Some of us would say, if I only had a different career, my life would be good. Maybe it's not that we're in the wrong career, but we're in a wrong pursuit. That's what Paul's saying. We're not in a wrong occupation, perhaps, but we're occupied by the wrong thing. And that's what I want to ask us as we kind of pull this together, is what on this morning is occupying your heart? If you were to examine your heart on this day, in this moment, not what you were feeling yesterday or three months ago or six months ago, what, what's happening in your heart today? 
What is occupying your heart? What is waking you up and causing you to rise? What is drawing your attention? And what is causing you to live from that place? What's filling your thought life? Jesus said it this way in Matthew 6. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body or what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothes? For the unbelievers run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Let me leave you with this thought. On, on those, in those moments of your life, in those times in your life when you have felt, and it might be this morning, I hope it's this morning, when you have felt like Christ is the center of what's going on in your life, that everything else, everything you're pursuing flows out of that occupation of Christ, Christ's spirit in your life. When you have been in those moments in your life, isn't everything better? Doesn't everything seem to be filled with hope and opportunity? Doesn't everything seem possible when Jesus is occupying your heart? When Jesus is the center? Doesn't food taste better? Doesn't doesn't it just seem better when you're out in nature and God is occupying your heart? God invites us to a kingdom, his kingdom, not this world system. All of those systems will bow one day to Jesus. So I admonish all of us, let let Christ come alive in your heart and occupy that space. Then you go be you. You go do the things that you're passionate about. But don't do it out of a heart that isn't centered in Christ, occupied by the Holy Spirit, led by the power of God. Because when you move in that way, it will be filled with love. It will be filled with faith. It will be filled with hope. And it will be fulfilling. That's what Paul says here. And that's what Jesus gave his life to guarantee for each one of us. You want to finish the second half of 2020 strong, you just make sure Jesus is occupying your heart. Jesus is waking you up at night, getting you up early in the morning that you're rising for the life that God created you for. You live this life under God's anointing, by God's power, led by God's spirit. You go do your career filled with God. Bring God's kingdom wherever you go. Let the presence of Jesus Christ occupy your life. If you've never given your life to Christ and you're here today, I just encourage you right now. All you need to say, just right there, where you're sitting in your chair, in your car, wherever you might be, you just say, Jesus, I I want you to occupy my heart. I open my heart to you. I open my life to you. Occupy my heart. I want you to be the thing that causes me to rise. The thing that I get up for. The pursuit of my life. Let it be you, Jesus.
So if that's you, you trust right now that you're having a conversation with God. You just say, God, I, I do that. I accept that. And know this. With that occupation starting, God is going to do some remarkable things in your life. And literally, literally, you can begin to see every situation and every trouble and every problem that you are trying to advance against or for. You will see God moving you in the direction that God desires. So, Father, right now I pray for all of us. Fill us. Occupy our heart, O oh God. Occupy our lives, Jesus. We invite Jesus Christ into our lives afresh. We cast down things that have become, they've gone beyond distractions to become center posts of our life. And Lord, we want you to hold that place. We apologize for any moment that we have not made sure that you held the highest place in our life. And we have given that space up to something else, even in good pursuits. We recognize, Lord, that this world does not have to offer what is fulfilling for us, that it can only come in you. We know that out of a relationship with you, everything changes. All things really do become new. Life is just better because it's the way we were created to be kingdom people. So we receive your fresh spirit and occupation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. When you're broken down and tired of living life on a merry-go-round and you can't find the fighter but I see it in you so we're going to walk it out and move We're going to walk it out and move mountains. And I'll rise up, I'll rise like the day. I'll rise up, I'll rise unafraid. I'll rise up and I'll do it a thousand times again. And I'll
In spite of you, I will rise, I will rise a thousand times again. And I rise up. Come on, y'all, stand up with us. Come on, you and we're going to just speak over you the ability to keep rising wherever you are that you are the people who rise you just are you have God's spirit in you and so wherever you go this week may you be the person who rises up as an answer to prayer for someone who's hurting someone who's in need someone who's struggling may you rise up in the grace of God that God has given you and may God's face shine upon you to a thousand generations and your family, and your children, and your children's children. And when you leave here, would you know that you're the hope that Jesus has left? And so when you rise in the morning this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, rise up looking for the way that you bring the blessing. And so we love you. We're counting on you to be the church out there. We're counting on you to be the people of God that rise up at every moment that God gives you the opportunity. Yes? So just point at your friend and say, you, God's talking to you. You're the one to rise up. You, you, you're out there. You're rising. You're doing it. Keep doing it. And so God bless you and keep you. We love you and we'll see you next week. And um, love you tons. I'm glad you're here. Air hug to everybody. Drive safely. Charles and Edgar will guide you out.
Oh. 